Okay, we're reading this morning, not up on the board, from um, 2 Peter, chapter 3, if you have Bibles you can follow along, um, verses 5 to, sorry, 8 to 15. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as his people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. He does not, anyone, does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief. Then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. Since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. On that day he will set the heavens on fire and the elements will melt in the flames. But we are looking forward to the new heavens and new earth he has promised, a world filled with God's righteousness. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, the Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. This is what our beloved Paul Brother Paul also wrote to you with the wisdom God gave him. Thank you to Dot for beautifully bringing the word of the Lord to us. My mother gave her life to Christ at 18 years of age. and She gave her heart to my father at 22 years of age. And she never lost the intensity of her love for both her whole life. My father died in 2010. And shortly after, I went into the granny flat and I saw her just looking up at his photo. She didn't take her eyes off his photo when I walked in and I said to her, you can go to him. And she, still with her eyes on the photo, she said, no, you need me more. I'm going to stay for a while. Fifteen and a half months, 15 months later, she had a massive heart attack and actually spent her 90th birthday in coronary care at Greenslopes. Three and a half weeks later, by virtue of a military operation, there we go, um, we got her to the wedding, to the ceremony and to the reception, uh, thanks to the Greenslopes Hospital Hair Salon, Greenslopes Hospital nursing staff, two Greenslopes Hospital ambulances and, and so on. The next four years were a living testament to a noble woman. Our son Johnny became her carer until finally she'd had enough. An ambulance took her to the martyr where she spent the last four days of her life. And a family member was with her day and night. Lizzie was with her on her second last night on earth. And during that night she spoke very little, mostly just the repetition of one word, which was the last word she ever spoke, patience. She was counselling herself as she had done her whole life. It was patience that would win out in her longing to pass through the thin space. 
I took this message on, not because I'm a great model of patience, but because I've had patience modelled to me. Watching my mother's final five and a half years has given me this definition of patience. It is sweetness in the waiting. The words that are in Greek are being, that were translated like patience or long-suffering or endurance are often found within clusters of other words. And I'd like to look at them, just saying them fairly slowly uh, because they somehow come around and cushion this remarkable attribute. So in Second Peter, we have faith, goodness, knowledge, self-control, endurance, godliness, and affection for another. Endurance being one of the ways patience has been translated. Then in First Timothy, we have righteousness, godliness, faith, love, and again, endurance or patience and gentleness. And here's the cluster from Galatians 5. We have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. And often that is translated that patience is sometimes long-suffering. Uh, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. And finally, there's something to be learned by the way James has embedded the word patience in chapter 1, verses 2 to 4. And I'll read it slowly because every phrase is like a meal in your mouth. Whenever you face trials of any kind, consider it nothing but joy because you know that the testing of your faith produces patience or endurance. So let patience or endurance have its full effect, its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, lacking in nothing. That word complete is exactly what it says, to be entire and to be whole in an all-encompassing way, body, soul and spirit. We're to be grown up on the inside and not just the outside. That maturity is the end result of embodying patience. So we could say there is a godly grace hovering over all of those magnificent descriptors of the Christian character. Patience sits amongst those attributes and every one of them take us to the high side of life. And here are just three more introductory statements of the obvious before moving on. The first one is that not everybody is born with high-level patience quotients. I found this little saying, God bless me with patience. Not the opportunities to learn patience. I've had plenty of those and they don't seem to work. The actual patience. And I love this little photo. If, if, if you go to Google Images and you just Google impatience, this little rascal comes up. But um, in, in that one, his fingers are drumming. And I thought that was priceless. So pretend his fingers are drumming. Um, let's give ourselves a mighty and glorious tick for the places where we actually exhibit patience. So I would like to think I have patience with my grandchildren, but I own to about a zero out of ten for stupidity when it's my own. Um, and you may be able to rate yourself too. And thirdly, and of great importance, is this, and in all seriousness, um, please don't get sucked into the black hole of thinking that patient waiting means that you never get what you want or you need. 
Abundance in life is to be our daily story. Patience is a God virtue and it carries with it energy. It's not flaccid. It carries hope and it carries life. We are meant to rightly live with the expectation, a vibrant expectation, that what we are patiently waiting for will materialise. Don't let the length of patient waiting mock you or mock your deep belief in the goodness of God. That said, it is true that there are times we don't see our patient longings fulfilled. And to that I want to say this, our prayers of longing don't seem to be answered. Those ones, our unanswered prayers, they outlive us. They are alive and are patiently awaiting the answers that surely will come. Unanswered prayers link us to the eternal. It's a glorious mystery to be sure. So with those introductory thoughts, let's move to the first advent. Uh, because it's a very good illustration of what patient longing looks like. How patience was woven into the time before the first advent which we are now celebrating. Headline is, Jesus was always on his way. God declared this at the point where perfection imploded. Here it is in Genesis chapter 3 verse 15. And I'll put this as God talking to the evil one. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head and you will strike his heel. Now, here's the thing. I absolutely love Away in a Manger. I love it. But I love the fact that Away in a Manger becomes that. Both portrayals of the Christ are the Christ in all his beauty and glory and power. Hallelujah. So from that Genesis signalling, let's move to the heroes of Old Testament times who knew something was up. Let's go first to Jeremiah in 33 verses 14 and 15. The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will fulfil the gracious promise I made to the house of Israel and to the house of Judah. In those days and at that time, I will make a righteous branch sprout from David's line. He will do what is just and right in the land. And then Isaiah 7, 14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Jeremiah and Isaiah knew something was up. And there's something to be learned from the way these heroes of a bygone time waited during the waiting. May I say that again? It's not just a case of us waiting. It's how we wait in the waiting. For them, it feels to me that it was without panic. Their waiting felt solid and secure. And the reason for that must be this, that from the very beginning, the theme of the Messiah wove itself through every book and any time the scrolls were opened he was there now I wonder the oldies will know this name so this man is called Oral Roberts and he was like a healing evangelist operating mostly in about the third quarter of the last century he famously preached a message that you can find you can YouTube it because I did it the other day an 18-minute message called the fourth man 
And in the final four minutes of it, it's magnificent oratory. In the final four minutes, he went through every book of the Bible and he announced the presence of the Messiah. So I'm not going to pretend to be Oral Robertson. I'm not going to go through all of them. I've just got it up there so you can see it. But I do want to make reference to the couple that I've highlighted. Jesus, the Messiah, represents himself in the book of Ruth, in the person of Boaz, the kinsman redeemer, Ruth's kinsman redeemer. So it's a bit of a sidebar comment, and I'm, it's a bit indulgent, but a little sidebar. Um, the founder of Arise, you're hearing the word Arise um, as a church, the founder, Anne-Marie, always sets the theme, and it's been my privilege since 2014 to be the keynote speaker. So, of course, I've, um, I'm speaking on the book of Ruth, and I've had to prepare the messages. It's translated into Russian and Persian and Arabic, so you just have to get ahead on, even though it's not till the end of March next year, the messages are written. Be inspired. That's all I want to say. <laughs> Be inspired. <laughs> um, so, the final message I've, t I've entitled, What to Do About Boaz. The thing is that Boaz is a type of Christ. And here's a delicious phrase that I found and I'm using in that message, that Jesus is a true and greater Boaz. Isn't that wonderful? But the other two that I really wanted to highlight are the rebuilder of broken walls and shattered lives that we find in Nehemiah. The thing is that we need to own that. We need to own that. There are people here who look at that and go, I need to know that Messiah. He is to be known. And then this is the second lot of them. In this one, um, I wanted to highlight the fourth man in the fiery furnace in the book of Daniel. And please also take that. Those of you who need that, and there are people going through health situations in our church, it is a fiery furnace. Relationship situations, it's a fiery furnace, financial, that the Messiah is in that fire with you. So simply put, from Genesis 3, Jesus was always on his way to Bethlehem for that first advent. He came, he died, he ascended, and now he sits at the right hand of the Father, waiting patiently, patiently waiting for the divine tap on the shoulder when the Father says to the Son, it's time to go and get your bride. So let's talk about the second advent. Because it is going to happen. Jesus announced it himself in John chapter 14, verse 3. He said, I will come again. So where is patience in any consideration about the second advent? If any ancient hero models patience to us, surely it must be Abraham. Let's read this. Abraham, um, Hebrews 11, verses 8 to 10. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after, sorry, which he should after receive for an inheritance. This is King James, so it's a little odd. Um, he obeyed and he went out not knowing whither he went, like I say. By faith, he sojourned in a land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. And this is why I wanted the King James, because I just think this phrase is magnificent. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. 
He lived to 175 years of age. And the New Living describes those years as a long and satisfying life. Um, the King James uses this glorious phrase. It says that he died full of years. Isn't that wonderful? Yet in the middle of living fully, he didn't lose sight of an advent that was millennia ahead. That is called patience in the waiting. The consolation to our hearts is simply this. Jesus is always on his way. So the question we must ask ourselves is this. How do we respond to that truth? Living fully while waiting patiently. A really good clue is also in this, they call it the faith chapter, Hebrews 11. These were all commended. So there's a, a list of the heroes of our faith, all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. God had planned something better for us so that only together with us would they become perfect. They'd be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us. Now, here's how we wait patiently and live fully at the same time. Throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Run with perseverance or with patience the race marked out for us. Fix our eyes on Jesus and don't grow weary and lose heart. They are the ingredients for patient waiting. We are to never lose hope in patient waiting. Godly patience, please hear me loudly and clearly. Godly patience is not benign. It is powerful. We are not to be robbed of any good thing in the waiting. What we learn about the goodness of God during times of waiting makes the waiting fruitful and verdant and abundant. Because we are citizens of a far country, we set our values and our hearts on that place of fulfillment and plenty. Never lose hope. Even when your eyes are not yet seeing answers materialize, God always knows what he is about. I found this quote from Pope Benedict XIV. He was the Pope from 1740 to 1758. Let's see if it could be said right here, right now, today. Hope is practiced through the virtue of patience, which continues to do good even in the face of apparent failure, transforming our impatience and our doubts into the sure hope that God holds the world in his hands in spite of all darkness. And we sang this this morning. Thank you, Jonah. He ultimately triumphs in glory. And so we come to the reading that was beautifully delivered to us by Dot. And there are some points that I'd like to draw out um, and they are marked up for you. The Lord isn't really being slow about his promises as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake, for our sake. And listen to this, he does not want anyone to be destroyed but wants everyone to repent. And when I read that, my mind went straight to Steve on Friday nights and Saturday nights in the valley. If I say, oh God, come quickly, come quickly, which ones of those faces won't make it? I need to find a patience in me for, his, for the second advent because there are too many people 
who yet do not know him. We are to wait patiently, sorry, down here. And so, dear friends, I think this might be on the next screen. And so, dear friends, while you are waiting for these things to happen, make every effort to be found living peaceful lives that are pure and blameless in his sight. And remember, he's repeating, the Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. Everyone in your orbit who is not yet marching in line with the great call to discipleship. Don't give up on them. God is not giving up on them. He's giving them time. He's giving them time to become one of his beloved. And don't you love that phrase, hurrying it along? That's for us, not for Christ. We're the ones who have to hurry along by our behaviours and by, uh, by our passion and our love You know, I was thinking of Michelle, the way she ministers to the Karen families in her daycare. Thinking of Lynn serving people on a Friday night. Our behaviours, such behaviours. Oh God, they are hurrying along in the second advent. That's our job. From the time of Christ's ascension, followers of Christ have had a job to do. We are to declare him in all his splendour and potency. I'm going to ask the worship band to come. May the first Advent be appropriately celebratory for all of us. I absolutely love Christmas. I love everything about it. But may we never lose sight of the second Advent, that city that is afar off. If Abraham could see it, so can we. We don't need to get too bothered about when that second Advent will take place by his own admission. Jesus has been coming for 2,000 years. Revelation 22, 12 and 13. Behold, I'm coming soon. My reward is with me and I will give to everyone according to what he's done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. So I'm figuring that if the son can wait patiently for the father's release, even though he dearly wants the consummation of relationship with his bride, we can wait patiently too. There is so much to do. He wants us all to repent and to come come to a knowledge of him in his beauty and his love and his power to forgive. And a lot of that is our job. Any escapist mentality just slows down his return. As with Abraham of old, we are to live full years, satisfying years. We are to live mature and complete and yes with one eye on the horizon of time because there is a city waiting for us Hebrews chapter 9 verse 28 he will appear a second time not to bear sin but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him thank you communion people as we take communion on this Advent Sunday we do so with gratitude that God's patient waiting is working to the great benefit of mankind. God's patient waiting is holding time steady so that none should perish, but all should come to repentance. We can take communion because of the way the first Advent concluded with the cross and the empty tomb. And while we partake, can we decide to find sweetness in the waiting for the second advent?
Oh, Jesus. So much is riding on you. So much was riding on you and you, you came to the line and you did it. And so much is still riding on you. We are so deeply in need of you. We so deeply need your power to forgive. We deeply need the assurance that you know when to present yourself to hungry hearts. We deeply need your capacity to make people thirst for you, to make us thirst for you. Lord, there'll be unanswered prayers in so many seats here this morning. Prayers of longing, prayers of hope. We confess our desperate need to know that you hear those prayers and that answers are on their way. As we partake, as we remember following your instructions, we take and as we remember, we give you all praise, all thanks and all gratitude.